Welcome to the Vox Pop. This is a podcast of Missio Day Church in Asheville, North Carolina. We believe that everyone in our church has a story worth telling, and this podcast gives voice to those stories. I'd like to welcome to the podcast today my good friend Peter Hale as our first guest. Peter, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. How's it feel to be the inaugural guest on our Vox Pop podcast? Uh, I feel simultaneously honored and undeserving, although I haven't really thought about it too much. Well, that's fine. <laughs> I'm really glad to have you, and uh, this is an idea that you and I have been kicking around for a little while now. Yeah. Um, just wanting to know the stories of the people who are part of our congregation, especially during this time. I mean, everyone's stuck at home. We're in the middle of this coronavirus stay-at-home yep. order, Yep. and so, um, yeah, I'm really glad we get to do this. I'm glad to do it, too. It's, it's exciting. Yep. How are you handling this uh, stay-at-home order so far? I am a math teacher right now, and so I feel like teaching digitally highlights my weaknesses. Um, in some respects, it's not very relational, and I miss seeing the students a lot. Um, in another respect, though, I realize that what I do for fun isn't really inhibited in at all okay. by staying at home. I can still ride my bike, and I can still work in my shop, and that's really, those are the avenues that I have a release. And so yeah. that hasn't been stopped like so many others. Sure. Now you've been biking for a long time, huh? Yeah, really long time. How do you get into that? I was actually talking to this with a friend the other day. I, when I was like 11 and 12, I bought a motorcycle, okay. a dirt bike, uh, an RT 180. It's a Yamaha. It's a trail bike. And, uh, well for the winters for a few years, my neighbors would go, they were old and they would go winter in Arizona Okay. and I would take care of their horses and they'd pay me six bucks a day and I w bought a motorcycle with proceeds. And then I quickly, cause what else do you have to do with <laughs> six bucks a day when you're that age? Right? <laughs> yeah. And I thought it was the best deal in the world. And then like now we pay people like 10 or 15 to like take care of our cat, like come over <laughs> once a day, a horse, like $6 a day. Like yeah. that doesn't seem great. And I need, I had to like give them shots in their mouth. What? Like, I had to do like a veterinary work for six bucks a day as like an 11 year old. You like, were severely underpaid. Yeah. Feed them twice a day. Go over there at like 6 a.m. before school, like crunch through the snow. Uh, for those that don't know, I grew up in Colorado. And uh, anyways, I wore out my welcome in my neighborhood because I rode the dirt bike a ton. Neighbors really complained and I tore up the yard real bad. <laughs> and so I had to sell it. And at the same time, some guys from my church were into mountain biking and they invited me. And uh, I fell in love with it. So Fort Collins is a really phenomenal place to mountain bike. Yeah. And it's, there's a big cycling culture there. It's a very bad place to ride a dirt bike. Mm. It's kind of like Asheville in that uh, there's a lot of trails around, but they're only for silent sport or gotcha. pedaling. Yeah. Not motors. Not a lot of great places to ride dirt bikes, unfortunately. I know. You know? I, know. I, I had a dirt bike for a short season when I was about 10 or 11. Yeah. Except we lived in an apartment complex. That yeah. did not go very well. Oh. oh. <laughs> so you mentioned Colorado. Yeah. Um, is that where you were born? And I was, yeah. So I was born in Fort Collins and spent the first 18 years of my life there. Uh, my family has since moved to Sheridan, Wyoming. Okay. Um, but Fort Collins was home for a really long time. Yeah. And tell me a little bit about your family dynamic growing up, siblings, and 
yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, I am the oldest of five. My youngest sister is at college at Michigan State University. Okay. Well, she's a student there. She's back home in Wyoming because of the virus right now. Of course. Um, my brother Mark is the next youngest, and he's about to graduate from the University of Wyoming. My sister Elena lives here in Asheville. She works for Farm Burger. She does like marketing and community relations. Oh, nice. My brother Adam is a machinist out in Wyoming, although he is um, interviewing in Minnesota and Utah right now mm. for new jobs. So he's, he might be leaving Wyoming soon. And so I'm here. I've been here for seven years or okay. it, in the Asheville area for seven years. I've been in North Carolina since 2008. Okay. So other than tearing up the neighbor's yards with your dirt bike, uh, what are some of the most fond memories you have of growing up in Colorado? Right. I love to ski. I haven't skied since I left or downhill skied. Um, and we would ski a lot. We'd ski 10 or 15 times a year. Oh, wow. Um, Fort Collins isn't that close to the big resorts. So mostly I would, and my parents weren't into skiing. So I had to hitch a ride with friends, but I really loved it. Um, and I just love being able to explore and move in the mountains. Um, that was formative for me, as well as just spending time with friends, like typical yeah. teenagers. Um, my core group of friends, I still talk to to this day, uh, not as much as I used to, as we all spread out pretty quickly. Sure. Um, I, I knew about everyone in my high school uh, and this, you know, medium-sized high school. But my core group of friends were definitely from youth group. Mm-hmm. And youth group was really super, super formative for me for a long, long time. That's fantastic. You know, I, I am from Florida. And um, I mean, I moved here when I was 10. So I, most of my friends from school were here, not in Florida. But I have zero people from Florida that I keep up with. And just a small handful, uh, even from, from high school here, um, even though some of them still live in, in the area, we just have lost touch over the years. Right. But yeah. that's really important, right, to have those kind of friends, long-term friendships and people that you still are in connection with. Yeah, it's grounding. And it's it's so exciting to see them as they, you know, start their families. Like, we're all 30, 31. And so we're at that age when everyone's kind of, past the wedding season for mm. the most part yeah, and everyone's starting to have kids and it's yeah. so fun. So fun to see them. You see their posts on Facebook, which is a old person, social media, um, experience <laughs> for the youths that are listening. The youths. Yeah. <laughs> if you're a youth, you're like, what's Facebook? What's Facebook? Yeah. But yeah, it is fun to see them. So, so you mentioned youth group. Um, Obviously, then you, you kind of grew up in and around the church. Um, what was that experience like? Just just talk a little bit about your family's faith dynamic and, and what it meant for you to, to grow up in that. Yeah. Um, so my grandparents were, uh, they all lived in California. All of my extended family is in California. My dad's side of the family is in Northern California, and my mom's side of the family is split between like Northern California and Orange County area. Oh, yeah. So this might be going too far back, but my grandfather always says that you have a goodly heritage and like to take that. That sounds like a grandpa word (laughs) as a goodly as a mantle to uh, kind of, you know, you're continuing the the legacy of the the family. Um, But in my 
own family, my um, my mom is the primary driver okay. of of kind of like talking to us about faith, about what it means to follow Jesus. Um, my parents, we all went to church together um, pretty much every Sunday, except random things that happen. Yeah. And uh, I think I... I'm not like a lot of people. Sometimes I'm jealous of people that have had like a defining conversion experience. Mm. Uh, I think like a lot of people that grew up in the church, um, my conversion experience was a little bit nebulous. Like it's sure. kind of like I don't really remember not believing, mm-hmm. um, but it probably happened in Sunday school. Yeah. I I had a really, really phenomenal Sunday school teacher um, named Nolan Duskin. And he was shout out to Nolan. Shout out to Nolan. He is actually a meteorologist uh, at, or he was for, you know, NOAA or one oh, yeah. of those. Okay. One of those organizations. Um, but he uh, he was in his forties or something at the time. He's probably sixty now. Yeah. But, um, That's how math works. <laughs> yeah, I should know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I remember his class. I don't remember anything he said, but I do remember his class making me think a lot. And uh, so I, I would count his class as yeah. like the time when I really started investigating for myself, you know, as yeah. a seven or eight year old. I don't really know how old I was. Um, and then I think it was just part of my cultural identity. Mm-hmm. Like like church was my community yeah. and um, we kind of shared a natural set of beliefs and uh, then as my thought process got a little bit more advanced, um, and as I started encountering like sin in my own life that mm. I couldn't fix, it started becoming like a more real, um, certainly in, in junior high and high school, I started encountering things that I couldn't like fix on my own. Yeah. And, and then those core group of friends that I mentioned earlier, uh, as well as some really great youth group leaders mm. were really instrumental in like learning how to process life and like learning how to like pursue Jesus through yeah. my weaknesses. Yeah. You know, so many kids talk to um, folks all the time in the church who grew up with a similar story, right? Growing up, not really knowing when they came to faith. And uh, you probably heard me describe it. Like for some people, it's that light switch. It's on and off. You know, it was dark, all kinds of wickedness or whatever. And then all of a sudden it's light and you can see. And then for a lot of other people, it's more like a dimmer switch. Just over time, things get more bright and more clear, more colorful, and you kind of look around one day and you go, oh, I can see, you know? And, and yeah. um, man, that's that's equally as amazing a testimony, you know, that the Lord would, over time, through the heritage of a godly family, even if, you know, mom's the primary driver or whatever, that uh, and to bring you into that realization of who Jesus is uh, and your need for him, and then to have you that community that surrounded you to help you own that for yourself and to walk more fully into it. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's a, it's a gift. Yeah. Yeah. And just, I wanted to mention, like, uh, I think I inherited like the, or my mom gave to me like the explicit instructions of like how to mm-hmm. live life as a Christian. Um, but my dad showed it implicitly through the way that he lived. And I, I think, the older I get, the more that I realize like I'm so much like my dad Yeah. and like the things that he pursues are like also the things that I like. Oh, and yeah. So 
I don't want to make it sound like sure. my dad is uh, <laughs> leading me astray or anything. He's been he's been amazing, and I'm I'm so blessed to have him as yeah. a dad. Man, so you grew up in Colorado, and then at some point you made your way east. What yeah. um, was that? College or it was college. Um, I didn't start going to college out here. I started at the University of Wyoming, and at like the, you do, like you do, which. UYO is only 45 minutes from Fort Collins, so... I did not realize it was not only that far. Yeah, wow. Fort Collins is the northernmost city in Colorado, and so UYO is close. Um, so a lot of my peers either went to CSU in Fort Collins or UYO. Yeah. Um, I went there kind of because, uh, for those that really know me, it was it's not a shocker. I've, I'm... Uh, not incredibly organized and I teach at a private school right now and uh, we have people like wonderful people guiding these students through the application process and like I am a little envious of that because like I was uh, <laughs> just kind of coasting yeah like, school came pretty easily to me but I didn't try that hard and uh, yeah so I didn't go to school right away like right after right after uh, high school I really wanted to be a professional bike racer. So I went out to California uh, so I could train in the winter mm. and lived with my aunt, aunt and uncle in Orange. And then the nothing was really happening. Like I wasn't getting, you know, I was just kind of wandering and I didn't get a contract. Um, and so I decided I should probably go to school. So I went to University of Wyoming for okay. a semester. And at that time I was pretty good runner okay runner um good cyclist and i pieced in the swimming piece and so i pursued triathlon for about six months but mm. i really didn't like swimming <laughs> inside like and if you're in in wyoming yeah like, you're not swimming outdoors ever right so yeah, i just it made my skin itch and and plus yeah sure. i don't know so i uh i went to school there's a school up in Banner Elk, North Carolina. So the following semester in the fall of 2008, I made my way out east, sight unseen. Wow. To uh, Lee's McRae College. Okay. And they um, had and still have, at the time, they were very good at bike racing. Yeah. And uh, they also they had good uh, kind of connections with that world. And it was always kind of a long shot. And uh, I didn't really know it at the time, but like – you know, I, I was a little bit naive in in thinking about professional cycling. Mm. I just assumed that it would happen and um and that it would be tenable and sustainable and and for me it it wasn't ever. Uh <laughs> there's an old adage that like what's the difference between a pizza and a and a professional cyclist and a pizza can feed a family of four. <laughs> <laughs> and at least in domestically in America, yeah, like that's totally true. And so I didn't, I wasn't able to like really make that jump, yeah, internationally. Yeah. So you get to college and you're racing bikes. Yep. And uh, what did you study? Uh, I started out uh, studying math education. Okay. Um, so I've I like math, and then I actually switched away from math education because thought that I didn't want to do it and I thought that I could make more money doing other things which 
in retrospect. Like cycling? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I'm doing in, in so many ways. Um, but yeah, it's kind of funny that, that right now I've been a math teacher for four years. Um, but I then switched away from math education and I studied just a smorgasbord of classes. Mm. So my, my major is called interdisciplinary studies. Ah, uh, yes. I took uh, a lot of prereqs for like physician's assistant school in case I wanted to do that in the future. So I have most of those done. And then I took one class from a business professor um, and uh, business law. And I'm at a very small school, Lisa McCray is like tiny, tiny, like 1,200 kids. Yeah. You, you kind of have to find the professors that are like really sharp and just take everything they offer. And so I really liked him and I liked the way he thought and kind of the way that he was challenging the way that I thought. Mm. So I took all of his classes. And so I think my major is interdisciplinary with a interdisciplinary studies with a concentration in business and general science. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And so you were <laughs> a jack of all trades. Well-rounded. Master of none. Well-rounded yeah. is how, how we like to say it these days. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you were there uh, at Lee's McRae, and then what happened after that? So you you didn't go into math right away. I did not. No. Um, what? Where did you go from there? Well, a lot of things happened in the last two years at Lee's McRae. I it was really sad, and it it, it has definitely shaped who I am. So we should talk about it. Yeah. Um, but my junior year, I had a friend who was in South Africa, and she was killed. Um, while she was training mm. and uh, that was really heartbreaking and she she was amazing her name is Carla and then a year later no she was a cyclist yeah, as well she was a okay. cyclist she was training she, her home was in South Africa and so she was home over Christmas break and then a year later I guess that would have been my senior year because a year later I was graduated I was coaching at Lee's McRae and uh, one of our athletes over Christmas break was hit and killed again um, and so I didn't really know how to process all that. And I honestly think that I'm still kind of processing mm -hmm. what that means and kind of how it affected the way that I view the world. But I was coaching uh, at Lee's McRae. I was an assistant coach there for a year. Okay. And we were recruiting. So I did a bit of traveling to recruit. And, and then as well as the day-to-day -day stuff of just like, there's a lot of logistics. Uh, it's less cycling coaching is at least at the collegiate level is way less about like individually tailoring training plans uh, and more about getting the whole team yeah. all around the country, uh, managing the budget and yeah. booking hotels and flights and vans and yeah. all of it. What kind of, I don't know, when you think about going through what you went through there in those last couple of years, and your faith, you know, I mean, you said you're still processing it, but what kind of test did your faith go through in that point? I mean, where, where do you feel like you were spiritually and, and how did that struggle of losing those friends, you know, shape your faith? Honestly, I, I felt a little alone. And at that point in my life, I was traveling every weekend. So the second year when I was coaching, I was attending Mount Calvary Baptist Church in Banner Elk and they were really helpful but I, I was reading a lot of Job and, mm. <laughs> and thinking about like how, how does a 
righteous person process suffering. And I was kind of left with a similar kind of in the last part of Job, God talks to Job and is like, were you there when I laid the foundations yeah. of the world? Were you there when, you know, he's talking about donkeys and lions and like mm-hmm. all these things that are outside of our perspective. Um, and so it definitely took the, the, the feeling of self glorification away from cycling for a long time. Mm. Um, like it felt super foolish and like the, and now I'm just starting to kind of come full circle of like, of recognizing that there is value in being out in, you know, creation and, and being healthy. And I think it's good for my, for my mind, but for a while, like I really, really struggled Mm. with the danger and the risk of it. Um, and I was, I still have anger issues at trucks Mm. and Mm -hmm. and cars. And so I've, I've pretty much stopped riding on the road a hundred percent, but with regards to my faith, like I, I definitely, was thinking a lot about at the time that I needed a broader community around me. Mm-hmm. Um, as a cyclist, you're around mostly men. There, there are lots of really talented, wonderful female cyclists, but you're around mostly men and mostly young men. You know, mm-hmm. guys in their twenties and thirties, and some in their forties is like ninety five percent of yeah. cyclists. So, I wanted more people in my life, and I wanted kids and old people and yeah and families and i didn't have that for a long long time i was very isolated Mm. and and as a as a christian if if you're never attending service like yeah you just don't have that community around you and so it was a very lonely period in my life and when things are going great you don't realize the need that you have necessarily for those things but then when the bottom falls out you really miss it don't you yeah i think we're all feeling that now yeah um, for sure with coronavirus is similar it's like we had kind of a good thing going with community and rhythms mm-hmm. and you can kind of take it for granted for granted yeah. for a while but yep. now mm-hmm. now everyone's going to be like for sure very and zoom is a poor substitute oh it's yeah so sick of zoom calls <laughs> so <laughs> at some point you make your way what to brevard right yeah right after uh lise mccray I coached there for a year as assistant coach and Banner Elk was a hard town to be an adult in mm. because there aren't that many people there. Sure. Like the, the school is small and then the, the relationship you have as a coach is way different than j- just being an athlete. As an athlete, I loved it because I was able to just ride my bike, you know, yeah. 20 hours a week and then hang out with my other bike riding friends. And, uh, as a coach, there's no you can't hang out with the athletes in the same way. Even though I was very close in age, you know, and a lot of them were are still my friends, but it was way different. And so, and at the same time, I was offered a head coaching job in in Kentucky. So oh, wow. I lived in Kentucky for a year at Union College. Okay, um, but kind of ran into similar issues uh, of I didn't have an assistant coach at the time and. I struggled to recruit to this little town in Kentucky. Mm. And then I also felt I had, I like had some really good friends that I still do keep up with in Barberville, but I did feel like I stuck out like a sore thumb in uh, this little tiny town of Barberville. And so I, uh, I moved down to Brevard in 2013. 
Okay. In September of 2013. All right. Yeah. And what what did what was your life like in Brevard? Like, what were you doing there? A few different things. So I moved down under the guise of helping out my old teammates and my coach uh, had been, had moved to Brevard okay. um, to work with Brevard cycling team. And I uh, moved down with the guise of helping them. But also, I think we, everybody were, was very aware that it was, I was looking to move into just a community where I could find people that would surround me and, mm-hmm. and kind of feel included in a community and also wanted to do something different. Yeah. Not. So I, I was living at a friend Brian's house for next to nothing and um, had a lot of time. So uh, I had a few different jobs. I worked at a burrito shop. I helped out with the team. And I, I was also, I saw a flyer on the wall of Brevard College that was like, hey, interested in working, uh, being a volunteer leader for Young Life. Okay. And my, my experience with Young Life uh, as a kid well, it was basically nil. I had okay. like, I knew that it had to do something with Jesus and it had something <laughs> to do with high schoolers. But beyond that, I knew almost nothing. Yeah. I, we had gone to like a, one of those camps where like a ton of youth groups get together. Yeah. Uh, at a Young Life camp in Winter Park. Okay. Uh, Crooked Creek, I think it's called. And so I knew that it had something to do with high schoolers and Jesus, but other that than that, I knew it. nothing. Yeah. And so I called uh, the area director. His name is EJ Scalf. And uh, we talked and I became a leader. And I did that for a while while I lived in Brevard. Okay. And, uh, yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, it's through, through that that you uh, met a young woman named Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she's been awesome. She's been so transformative and marriage i think as an institution i think the lord has been good to both of us ej and megan uh, his wife they had spent a summer session or two at windy gap okay where uh, my wife sarah worked and um, they had been after me for a while as as well as some of our friends my roommate at the time he worked at the at carolina point which is a young life camp just south of brevard and Kyle and Sarah were interns together at Windy Gap a while back. So I had kind of a community of people being like, hey, you should meet this girl, um, Sarah. She's great. Mm-hmm. And I, for like a while, was just, I, I don't know. Ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah, it wasn't on my mind. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, I kind of, I knew that I eventually wanted to be married, but I really really had no idea how to navigate dating and I was in a really serious relationship in college that didn't end well Mm. well I think we were both like hurt from it um and so the way I processed it was like I don't want to hurt anybody else and yeah that was it and it like really sent me in a tailspin for a while that was all kind of in that same period at the end of college and so, yeah, I think I was just like, really, I thought I knew it was dangerous. And I, I was like, hey. <laughs> like, and I was really yeah, happy and grateful for my time as a single person. Like mm-hmm. I loved it. And you're like so available for so many things. And so yeah. I didn't feel like a ton of pressure 
But then I finally relented and I called her up and and then a year later we got married. And uh, about a year. About a year. Year and a half. All right. I still remember the first Sunday I met you when you came to church. I was like, who's this guy with Sarah? Because I was a little protective of Sarah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Her having been a member of our church for a while. But, yeah. Uh, I was also, I will say, like, I know there's probably people of all kind of positions in, in mm. dating or single or married or or divorced or there's, you know, people, all kinds of people. Um, and I really, really appreciated being set up. Um, because I knew that I loved and I trusted my friends. Yeah. And it kind of took the uh, stress out of it because I'm like, hey, like they, they know me pretty well and they love me and yeah, they know and love her. So they're, there's no danger. Yeah. And it ended up, I'm so thankful for them. She's been great for me. Oh, that's fantastic. So you guys have been married how long now? Ooh, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> I got to put you on the three spot, Three and a half Peter. years. Three hey, and a half good, years. Good save. Good save. About three and a half years. Yep. Three and years, three months. Okay. Wow, that's very specific. Good job. Mm-hmm. Good job. And uh, Sarah now has also um, become a teacher. Yeah. yeah. So you guys have been sharing that for a little while. How's that been? Yeah. Uh, we both teach at Veritas, which is a school in Fletcher, um, along with a few other folks at Missio. And uh, yeah, she is... She is Top notch. She's an excellent, excellent teacher. She's very detail oriented and she's, she's really good with kids. She teaches the middle schoolers, sixth, seventh and eighth graders primarily. Whereas I teach primarily the older high schoolers. So I think it does play to her strengths. And I really love being able to have someone that I live with and love deeply working alongside. Teaching is a fairly solitary job Mm -hmm. uh, because you're, you're with people a lot, but they're not your peers. You right. know, you're with students. Yep. I'm sure Christina can attest to this, but I like having her there yeah. and I like commuting there with her. She's, she's super at it. Yeah. There's, there's parts I'm on year four and she's on year two. Okay. And there's a lot of aspects of teaching that she is so much better than me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm good at a certain part of it. I think I'm really good at like, my students might say differently, but I, I don't think so. I think they would say that I'm really good at teaching and I'm, I'm good at explaining mm-hmm. material. I, for I teach uh, math. I teach calculus, pre-calc, and geometry. And my favorite is definitely calculus. So I like explaining these big relationships that math attempts to yeah. explain. The day-to-day, the rigidity of the schedule and kind of the administrative mm-hmm. executive skill yeah. stuff, like keeping track of daily of onslaught yeah. of papers yeah. is really difficult for me. Sure. And um, so I've developed strategies to kind of yeah. try and make that work. But yeah, yeah that part is, is really hard and it's not getting easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think we're just made in different ways. Sure. And, yeah. Well, and, um, you know, in the time that you've been part of Missio as well, you've uh, you've volunteered in our children's ministry, yeah. helping teach older elementary school kids, and then recently have uh, transitioned into student ministry as well. And yeah. as we think about kind of your future and where things are going for you, uh, what do you what's on the horizon for for Peter Hale? Yeah, well, next year I'll be a part time student minister for the 
junior high and high school kids. Yeah. And that brings a lot of opportunities and intention that uh, just volunteer leaders uh, can't devote the time that's mm. like really necessary to like make it really flourish. And uh, Jimmy and Renee have had uh, the students ministry um, under their care and guidance and they are awesome. And they've oh, yeah. done a great job. Um, but I think just providentially, I think there's some like, unique things about this particular time in my life that allow this to like happen, to be able to do a part-time thing, but mm-hmm. be able to spend a lot of thought and intention and trying to like really grow it. And we've got, um, when I was with the, the elementary school kids, like there's a wave of really awesome, like full of life. Yeah. Fourth, fifth and fourth, fifth and sixth graders that are like, they're coming and like, we better be ready to like, that's right. Offer them uh, a place where they can pursue Jesus and kind of test things out and like see what it is to live life to the full. Yeah. Yeah. We're really excited uh, to have you coming on board. And as you said, Jimmy and Renee Branch have done a phenomenal job as, you know, volunteer servant leaders to build what really was a non existent uh, student ministry over the last couple of years. And the timing uh, with with you, you know, deciding to to want to step away from the teaching role, um, simultaneous with with Jimmy sensing, you know, a call into eldership and wanting to sort of step back from uh, from student ministry, it's just it was sort of a perfect storm, and uh, we're really grateful to have you joining us in the fall as our student uh, minister and um, just taking this is you heard it here first, folks. This is. Uh, <laughs> the premiere of this announcement, uh, and uh, really grateful to have you coming on, and I think it's going to be uh, a really great fit as we see those students. Uh, as I said, you've already been able to work with them some and and um, have a lot of dreams and plans for what student ministry could be. Uh, so to take those reins from Jimmy and Renee and to kind of move forward with it is uh, a real answer to prayer for us, and I think it's going to be super exciting for the families of Missio Day. Thanks. Yeah, I'm super excited. I'm also I'm really excited to be able to give it more attention with more time. And yeah. I, I'm also excited to have more relationships with, with y'all and like to be uh, poured into with intention and so that I can lead well and yeah. work with these students in a productive way. Yeah. So you talked a little bit earlier too about um, hobbies and uh, being in your shop. What do you, what are you making these days in the shop? Uh, for the last few years, I've been really into TIG welding, uh, I guess year and a half or so. And it is a very technical skill. Um, a TIG welder, for those that don't know, stands for tungsten inert gas. So the tungsten is your electrode and then the inert gas is argon. And TIG welds require very little cleanup. Um, so it is, you weld it up and then it does not need to be grinded. It looks great. Um, it requires a lot of cleanliness and precision. Your parts need to be really close together. I'm doing all this with the goal of building bikes. Um, okay. And that is totally just a hobby right now. I'm on frame, depends on how you count it, I'm on frame three or four. All right. Um, and uh, they're getting progressively better. Uh, I also have been doing some 3D modeling with this software called Fusion 360. Uh, the other part of my employment next year, my parents make cross-country ski grooming equipment. You tow behind a snowmobile, and their company is called Yellowstone Track Systems. 
and I'll be doing 3D modeling for them. Okay. Um, drawing parts digitally, and so we can get them manufactured probably in Michigan. We're making most things in-house right now, and uh, and other people can just do it 10 times yeah. as fast if they have a good drawing. So Sounds like that interdisciplinary studies degree is coming in <laughs> handy about now, huh? Totally, totally. Yeah, everybody <laughs> should study everything. <laughs> I just follow my interests really yeah, and uh, don't think too much about it. Well, um, it's about that time. Uh, we're going to try something called the lightning round. Right. So just got a couple of quick questions for you and just your very first response is all we're looking for. All right. Yeah. So you ready? Yeah. Here we go. I wish I had a sound for lightning round, but I don't. Chapow. That's right. All right. Uh, favorite Asheville restaurant? Uh, Wild Ginger, South Wild Asheville. Ginger. All right. And what's your go-to order there? Uh, the B5. It's a pho with various kinds of meat and it's the best thing that you can order. All right. Also, the yakisoba noodles are good if you don't want soup. How about if you could travel in time, when would you go? Uh, probably the 70s. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I don't know why. Don't <laughs> Probably right. the 70s in California. Kind of the, uh, the appeal of like early surf and skate culture. Okay. Uh, I neither surf nor skate, but <laughs> there's kind of a romanticism but it looks about cool. it in my mind. Yeah, it does look cool. <laughs> Last binge-worthy TV show you watched? Uh, we, Sarah and I, have been watching The Good Place. All right, and it's it's great. Uh, I don't. It's one of those ones where you're like, I don't know if I can recommend it. Right. But everyone should see it. It kind <laughs> of uh, it kind of uh, is loosely philosophical. Yeah. Philosophical. That's how you say that word. Yes. Yeah. Oh man. Well, it's been fun, Peter. Hey, this has been great. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. This has been the Vox Pop, our inaugural podcast, and I uh, hope you'll join us again next time. Yeah, as thanks we, for listening, everybody. Absolutely. We'll talk to another member of Missio Day Church and understand their stories. Awesome. Have a good one, y'all.